Welcome into NBA Sound System. I'm Kyle Irving alongside Gilbert McGregor, and we're here to give you the full rundown on the NBA 2K Players Tournament that tipped off this past weekend. Now, if you're sitting there wondering what is the NBA 2K Players Tournament, and this is the first you're hearing of it, don't worry, we have you covered. The event is made up of 16 NBA stars competing in an NBA 2K Tournament on Xbox for a grand prize of $100,000 to be donated to a coronavirus research fund of the winner's choice. Each matchup is nationally televised on ESPN in the United States with a live stream window of the two players competing, which made for some good conversation, but even better trash talk. We're looking at you, Patrick Beverly. Uh, We'll cover some extra details of the tournament, some takeaways from the first round, highlighting the best moments that you might have missed, a quick preview into the second round coming up this week with gambling odds and more. (sighs) All right, Gil. Do you think I covered everything there? I think you think you got it pretty much down there. You know, it was a lot, but you know, it was cool to see those guys get out there and and their strategy and all that stuff like that. So, um, it it was very detailed uh, the way through together. But the fact they did it so fast, uh, I think it came together really well. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I as far as a viewership experience and everything like that, I thought it was pretty fun. I thought the back and forth banter was good. The trash talk was great. Uh, exactly what you would have expected. Um. Did it give me my fix that I needed of live sports, you know, that we've been missing for these past couple of weeks with no sports on whatsoever? Uh, I don't know if I would say it gave me my fix, but it definitely gave me something to look forward to and tune into on Friday night. Um, you know, it was exciting. I thought the players were entertaining, but, you know, I think that this is only going to get better as uh, this tournament goes on. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, it's one of those things where I was kind of once they announced it, I was looking forward to it the the same way, not the same way I look forward to like a a, a game or anything like that, or or an NBA game, an actual game with actual action. Um, but I was looking forward to it just because of the live element. Um, I think the big thing that's special about the NBA is the personalities and, and the guys and, and who they are, and getting a chance to see them a, a different side of them as gamers uh playing with themselves or with their counterparts um it it was it was really fun you know a good opportunity to kind of get that fix in in some way to see guys compete against one another and and it was kind of intense competition yeah i agree with you there i think that was part of it too is that you know among nba players i feel like more than other sports they're so open about uh their love for gaming so many guys bring their xboxes and playstations on the road with them when they travel uh so many guys were already streaming uh whether it was on twitch or on instagram or you know however they were going about it but these guys are i mean you have guys like myers leonard who's on a gaming team demarcus cousins even though he did not have a great showing we'll get to that uh (laughs) is also on a gaming team guys like devin booker the second that the league went into hiatus he started streaming you know call of duty like crazy on twitch to raise money for coronavirus relief fund and stuff like that so i think it was really interesting to like you were saying watch these guys really put those skills uh to use and it's going to be you know as as the talent pool gets smaller uh, and the talent level goes up i think we're going to start seeing better and better games and less blowouts like we saw in the first round but uh yeah without further ado what were what were some of your favorite moments from the first round uh that you picked up on you know it it was cool to see guys in that light i kind of touched on it a little bit um getting a chance to see um you know guys get into that competitive nature as as a gamer um you know hear hear the banter hear the back and forth that that balance and if you've played video games it doesn't matter if it was with with a little cousin or with somebody that you're really getting heated competition with you know that there's a certain line with focusing and then you know kind of chatter back and forth and it was kind of funny to see those guys kind of tap into that level you know uh Patrick Beverly did it some, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, who it didn't turn out well for him. Um, you know, DeAndre, Andre Drummond, DeAndre Ayton, a lot of those guys, just just seeing them in that light was real was real fun. Um, but also just, again, seeing competition, you know, 
it, it isn't ideal, obviously, uh, us having to, to, you know, deal with bigger issues in the world, which they're helping to address with, with the overall goal of this tournament. But, you know, missing basketball, missing, missing the NBA, uh, again, the, the biggest thing was the excitement to kind of have something to look forward to uh, with the gaming and the competition that came along with it. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting parts to me was that I, you know, we don't necessarily know what the relationship between some of these first round matchups was prior to this game. And I think you kind of saw that shine through, uh, you know, Kevin Durant, and Derek, jo- Derek Jones Jr. in the very first game of the tournament. I'm not really sure what sort of relationship those two had had prior to it. And, you know, they were pretty quiet compared to some of the other pairings. Uh, but I think like even DeAndre Ayton and Zach Levine, I'm not sure they had much interaction one on one. Uh, at all prior to this and they ended up having like a pretty cool back and forth conversation that was one of the more uh, unique matchups in the sense where Aiton was kind of just asking you know Zach Levine you know casual questions as they were playing he was like you know who who could beat you in a dunk contest in this league right now you know how would you do with against Derek Jones Jr. right now at your point in his your career compared to where he's at in his career I thought it was cool to see some of that back and forth but I'm going to give you a specific favorite moment that I had from the first round and you might have picked up on this if you were watching from the very beginning or maybe you know maybe if you tuned in late you missed this but uh when when Kevin Durant in Derek Jones Jr. were going through to pick their teams. Uh, KD almost stopped him completely, and he was like, "Hold on for a second. Uh, do you play computer defense?" And that, as a 2K <laughs> player, had me dying laughing because I know you play 2K online. I play 2K online. And the minute that you tip off the ball and you realize that the person that you're playing against is just gonna, you know, sit in the paint with Rudy Gobert and just block shots all game and not guard you on the perimeter, uh, one, he's trash. In two, uh, I, th- I think it's just frustrating. You know you're in for a frustrating game. And Kevin Durant wanted to get that out of the way right away. He said to Derrick Jones Jr., you know, do you play computer defense? And Derrick Jones Jr. kind of made a face like, don't disrespect me like that. Like, I'm playing man-up defense. I'm going to come bring it to you. And he ended up doing it. He ended up pulling off the 16-over-1 first-round upset over Kevin Durant. But I thought that was pretty great. Yeah, it's funny. Moments like that, you know, I might not be able to go and hit a 30-foot pull-up like Kevin Durant, but when it comes down to picking up the controller and playing the Xbox, we deal with the exact same problems, have the exact same views about the certain things, and it comes down to can you play or not, you know? Um, I think that that's funny because it does kind of bring them on the same level as we are as gamers. You know, you can debate on who's better or, or where we'd place. Uh, if we were to, to be in that tournament, I can personally admit that I'm getting back into to 2K. It's my second year as, as I'm working on my game. I'd probably say I'm like, uh, like, 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 a little below average, but last year I was terrible. So being able to look at again, relate to those problems like you're talking about when we play online against people like that and, and, and whether or not they play computer defense or um, whether or not they, you know, kind of try and spam the, the steals, you know, after a made basket or, or whatever the case may be, we deal with the exact same things when it comes down to it. It's, it's completely different than the type of problems they deal with as actual basketball players. First off, at this point, I think you're probably selling yourself short as a 2K player. We talk about it enough. We talked about it enough in the office and just through text message, uh, keeping each other updated with you know what we're doing with our time during this quarantine, during you know uh, the self isolation. I know we've both been on the sticks playing some 2K, so I think you're giving your, you're selling yourself short a little bit there. But no, I agree with you completely. It was cool just to watch these guys kind of come down to the same level. Where I mean, is Derek Jones Jr. as good as Kevin Durant is in real life? No, but he's be- you know clearly he's better than him in NBA 2K. And it was funny to see you know. 
you know, that frustration almost build up in Kevin Durant a little bit towards the end of the game. He uh, he would be what what you would call one of like the silent 2K players who instead of, you know, complaining about, oh, this is, you know, this is goofy or this is trash, you know, talking about the gameplay. He just kind of sat there in silence and took his loss from Derek Jones Jr. But I want to go back to uh, players picking their teams. Um, so first off, something that I forgot to mention in the intro is that of all the 16 stars that are in the tournament, they were forced to choose eight teams that they could run with uh, throughout the entire tournament. The first two rounds are single elimination where the semifinals and finals are best two out of three. So potentially if you were to go to uh, all the way to the finals and play uh, a three game series in the semifinals and finals, you would have to use all eight teams. So there is some strategy involved in, you know, uh, picking eight solid teams that you're comfortable with, eight really good teams. I mean, we saw a lot of teams, a lot of people pick the Bucks and the Clippers and the Lakers and, you know, uh, elite teams of that level. But there's also some strategy, strategy involved in leaving some of those teams for the later rounds in case you make it that far. So that brings my question to you. Did it surprise you that more uh, players picked teams like the Bucks and Lakers and Clippers right away to get out of the first round? Do you think that's a strategy that you would have taken on? Yeah, you know, I think it comes down to it again, kind of comfort and familiarity with the team. You know, it, depending on how, how much you play, I know they they asked somebody, you know, who they play. I think it was it was Devin Booker. He and he was saying I try to play with a little bit of uh, every team to kind of get familiar with, with other teams. But when it comes down to it, there's certain teams that you're just better uh, at playing with than others. Um, actually, on, on NBA.com uh, right now, I did my takeaways from from the first round and I broke down who chose what team. And you mentioned the Bucks. Everybody that chose the Bucks won. The Bucks were four and in the first round so obviously if you really want the security of getting to the next round um you know that seems like a safe choice to go but for the other other teams that did advance um there were two guys that chose the lakers um montrez won with his own team and the clippers and and uh deandre aiden won with the rockets so you look at it that way now they still have the bucks you know in their back pocket to be able to, to go with so it's an interesting way to kind of look at it i wouldn't say there's a right or a wrong way to go about doing it but um it, i feel like i'd be a little more confident if i still have uh the ability to choose the bucks going down when i in a must win if i'm playing for a, a championship or a spot in the championship rather than using them to get out of the first round I, I don't know what your take on it is though yeah i mean if if you're a nba fan who doesn't really play 2k and you tuned into this just to get your nba fix i think you would have realized uh very quickly that Giannis is just as dominant in video game <laughs> form as he is in real life uh, trey young had like 16 points and 16 assists with Giannis at the halftime at halftime in his absolute blowout win over harrison barnes uh you know he almost finished with a 40 point triple double i'm pretty sure uh, but yeah i you know i think what surprised me I'm not sure I would have gone with the Bucks right away. I know, like you said, uh, that's you know a, that can almost solidify your spot in the second round as all four players that chose the Bucks advance to the next round. But I'm actually kind of surprised. I was expecting to see more players play with their own team uh, right off the bat. I know that makes it tough for you know a guy like Trey Young who say he picks the Hawks and all of a sudden Harrison Barnes is like, all right, I'm going to be the Bucks, and you're at a you know significant mismatch. But I would think that players would be pretty comfortable playing with their own player. And uh, kind of like we saw in the battle between Montrez Harrell and DeMont Sabonis, who each picked uh, their respective teams, the Pacers and the Clippers. And Trez had some fun with his own player. He was throwing down dunks. He was getting hyped about it. It was it was entertaining to watch. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see you know as these 
players advance further on and they start to weed out some of these elite teams, you know, we might have to see Trey Young playing in the semifinals in a game three with his own team, which I think could make, you know, for a good viewership experience if, you know, he's yelling at, if, if in real life Trey is yelling at virtual <laughs> Trey to, to try and go to the NBA finals or the, I'm sorry, the 2K players tournament finals or whatever, I think that could get interesting. But were you supply, surprised that some of the players didn't pick uh, their own teams? A little bit, you know. You know, Devin Booker had the had the funny reaction uh, with the Suns about about not picking himself and, and not not being a fan of, of how he plays uh, in virtual life, uh, which is something to, a topic to get into in itself. Um, but I, I do think there's two ways of looking at it. You know, maybe uh, guys are just realistic and understanding how the virtual world works and, and knowing that you know maybe they they know the limitations of themselves in that world or know the limitations of their team because they play so often with their own team. Or on the flip side, they could be so familiar that um, they want that security of getting past with you know with the win with the Bucks or with the win with the Clippers or whatever the case may be, um, in order to down the line when it comes down to it, and another team, another guy is kind of out of out of his elite picks as well, and it comes down to you know either you're playing with your own team or playing with the team who you're not as familiar with. Maybe Trey Young does really know how to play with the Hawks and and doesn't miss with himself or Kevin Herter. Or, you know, there could be something else like Derrick Jones Jr., the, the Heat are a sneaky team. If you if you learn how to shoot with some of the shooters they have on that team, you know, he might be really familiar with doing that as well. So maybe uh, some of those guys are saving it for down the line. It'll be interesting to see who decides to play with their own team eventually and when they decide to do it. Yeah, and I, I want to uh, back you up a little bit to the start of that uh, sentence there where you were talking about Devin Booker and his reaction to uh, not picking the Suns as his team. So, you know, for those who aren't familiar with the situation, it, it caused a stir on NBA Twitter, you could say. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Devin Booker were in the lobby going to pick their teams for their first round matchup. And uh, MPJ made a joke to Devin Booker saying, hey, how about I'll run with the Nuggets and you run with the Suns. And Devin Booker paused for, you know, a long couple seconds. And he kind of gave us an uh, you know, I don't know. I'm probably going to run with a different team instead. Uh, obviously, because the Nuggets would give uh, Michael Porter Jr. a significant advantage over Devin Booker, who would be the Suns. Uh, but I will say that he did take to Twitter after he beat Michael Porter Jr. And he, he said that his reasoning for not picking the Suns was because uh, 2K has his character screwed up, which, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to back Devin Booker on this one. I'm sure if you've played with Devin Booker in 2K, you could also back Devin Booker on this one for whatever reason. For as easy as he is, uh, for as easy as he makes it look in real life, uh, getting buckets, you know, on just about every team in the league, it's impossible to hit a shot with Devin Booker in two K. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna blame him for not picking the Suns as one of his, as one of his eight teams, because if he knows that his player doesn't play or doesn't shoot like he does in real life, that's just setting himself up for frustration and early first round exit. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're you're in it to win. Uh, and you know you don't get style points for choosing yourself or anything like that. So I think that, like you talked about earlier, he's got a gaming pedigree. Like he's gonna make wise decisions when it comes down to it, ultimately. And you talked about it already, like backing him up and knowing that his character is frustrating. And then he, like he said it on Twitter himself, like. I don't think he pulled that out of nowhere. He played like with the Suns like three times and just gave it up. I'm sure that that, that came after like plenty of times of him trying to figure it out and make it right. Like I'm pretty sure if Devin Booker could use himself on 2K, he would. So I, I don't think uh, – and also you talk about how good the, the, the Nuggets are. Like the Nuggets have been, you know, uh, uh, they have an all-star in Jokic. They, they are – who's an interesting video game character in himself, but just the Absolutely. talent across the board uh, in Denver, it just would have made it a, a little bit of a – it would have tipped the scales in, in Michael Porter Jr.'s favor for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I'm going to justify Devin Booker's reasoning. When I 
when that I first saw that clip of him hesitating, I was like, oh, you know what? That's probably going to pick up some steam on NBA Twitter. And then he came out and tweeted that thing about 2K having his character all messed up. And uh, I, I couldn't have backed him any harder. I started laughing out loud once I saw that because <laughs> he couldn't be more right. Um, so staying on the topic of Devin Booker, though, uh, as he was, you know, talking his trash to Michael Porter Jr. As the the game winded down and he looked like he was going to come away with a win, he gave out a confidence statement saying that uh, he's not going to let anybody in the tournament within ten points of him. Now, when when the odds opened up in Vegas for this tournament, Devin Booker was the original favorite. Uh, like we were saying before, he's been live streaming on Twitch every single day. Uh, Call of Duty, not two K, but you know his hands are still warm. He's still uh, you know, probably more well-versed than some of these guys who have probably been doing other valuable things with their time, like TikTok or working out or, you know, something like that. <laughs> TikTok, but, uh, very valuable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, what do you think? Do you think that Devin Booker is going to be able to, you know, assert his gaming dominance across the NBA and he'll finally win something in the NBA 2K Players Tournament and do it with a 10-point spread the whole, the whole way through? That is a bold 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 claim uh, i think that there is absolutely too much talent out here um for him to do that like you talked about especially like if, if he gets you know to, to, to the best two out of threes like when you play somebody enough like they're they're gonna be familiar enough to kind of like figure some things out to where like they're probably gonna be able to to, to make it interesting you know um if, if he's able to continue to advance so I, I think that there's just there's two there's, like he's he's a gamer he's a guy who, who who gets it done and obviously we talked about it. he plays on the gaming team regardless of what game it is he knows his way around uh, around the sticks and knows how to how to make himself look good on there but um there, there's there's just absolutely no way I don't think he can be that dominant that long if he does he gets the crown for sure absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's too tough of a task. Like you said, especially the two out of three series, you start to learn like your opponent's tendencies and stuff like that. I think it would be it would be too tough to uh, you know, I mean he barely even won by ten points in the first round, never mind right. as you know, as the tournament goes on and uh, you know, he's he's matched up with uh, Rui Hachimura in the second round here, who actually pulled off a stunning upset win over Donovan Mitchell in the first round. A lot of people pegged Donovan Mitchell as another one of the favorites to win this tournament. He'd already been doing some uh, some live streaming stuff with Ronnie 2K on the 2K official account the week leading up to even announcing the tournament. I think a lot of people pegged him as someone that might have a chance at winning, and Rui Hachimura, who... Uh, actually even had you know he was taking it pretty seriously he had i don't know if you saw this he had the uh the almost like ringside service with you know during a timeout <laughs> he had uh, whether it's his friend or his girlfriend or whoever someone living with him bring him a water bottle and pat him down with a towel and everything like that you know he came ready to play and he pulled off a big a big uh close win over donovan mitchell so i think he can give Devin booker a run for his money but uh that moves us on to two of the ugliest losses uh speaking of point spreads two of the ugliest losses in the my tournament. goodness uh, where do you want to start, Harrison Barnes or Demarcus Cousins? Uh, either way, I mean, let, let's let's go in order of of who lost by the least to who lost by the most. We, we can <laughs> we can open up with Harrison Barnes because it happened first, and at that in that moment of watching it, you're thinking nobody could could lose could lose worse <laughs> than this. So we could we could get into that and and how that went and where he went wrong from the beginning, which is probably his team selection, right? Yeah, I mean, the Raptors are a tough team to play with in 2K. For as feisty as they are in real life and for guys that can just step up and knock down shots, Pascal Siakam's not the easiest 2K player to play. Right when I saw that Trey Young said he was going with the Bucks and Harrison Barnes said that he was going with the Raptors, I knew it was going to be ugly. And then we saw the first couple possessions where Trey was basically just running circles with Giannis. 
uh, around that Raptor defense. And Harrison Barnes started to get mad that the, the Raptors defense doesn't rotate the way they do in real life. I, I knew that he was in for a long night. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I think he just, it, it almost feels kind of on brand that Harrison Barnes went with a pick that would make sense in real life. Um, because the Raptors are a team that, I mean, one, they beat the, the, the Bucks is very different looking team, but they beat the Bucks last year in the postseason, And they always, like you said, are a feisty team. Um, they, they give the Bucks a good fight. They're one of, they're the class of the Eastern conference. They're defending champions until somebody takes them off the throne. That being said, some of those things that are intangible, that don't, aren't really, uh, you know, measured well, um, that the Raptors just have that it factor doesn't really translate into the video game world. So when it comes down to it, who's going to be the guy who's dominant and who can just shut everything down and make it difficult for the other other team? If if a guy has Giannis, then you need something to kind of counter that. Um, we talked about nobody's figured it out yet because the Bucks are four and zero, but at least you know you, you try to counter it with a LeBron or maybe counter it like like the Sixers have done in real life with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But going with the Raptors in, in the virtual world, you have to really really be familiar with them and and know what you're doing to be able to do that and. Harrison Barnes is evidenced by the 42-point loss. Was not familiar with them. Yeah, man. Josh Hart uh, took to Twitter. He was the first one that I saw that tweeted at Harrison Barnes. And he was like, man, how do you, how do you sign up for something like this and then take a 40-point L on national TV? I mean, it's not a, it's not a great look. Um, I, you know, Trey Young was someone who is clearly taking this tournament very seriously. He tweeted right when he woke up. Uh, the day that um, you know the the gameplay was aired on Friday, and he was like, "It feels like game day." You know, he's seemed like he's taking it very seriously. Where Harrison Barnes, you know, maybe maybe his beard isn't giving him the benefit of the doubt. Harrison Barnes had you know the running thing going, where he was saying that he wasn't going to shave his beard until the Kings got back to 500. Uh, Harrison Barnes looked like he just had had woken up, thrown on the headset, tossed the Xbox on, and was ready to play. And uh, his his loss, the result showed that exact same thing. Uh, that brings us to kind of like Gil was just saying. Uh, like you were just saying, we thought that was going to be the biggest loss of the night and all of a sudden, or the first round, I should say, and all of a sudden DeMarcus Cousins, I mean, what happened with DeMarcus Cousins? Like you talk about like things escalating really, really quickly. Like I, I, I watched that one and I, we watched the beginning and Andre Drummond just jumps out on him and he's, and he's, and he's, he's hype, you know, kind of, kind of the Andre Drummond that we noticed that's in the studio making music, you know, real fun. <laughs> Fun loving guy, getting getting really hyped, getting really excited. And then Boogie comes back, and Boogie's like, "Yeah, yeah, you, you got excited too early." Da, da, da. I'm like, "Oh, this is gonna be a fight." You know, this is it, it's kind of like the equivalent of what we'd expect to see them battling on the block. Goes into the halftime up by seven, and then it just it just it was like a different, completely different game. Like I don't I don't understand, you know. And I've taken some bumps and bruises. I've been on on the right end of blowouts and the wrong end of blowouts, just like anybody who's played games long enough. But I've never really seen a game where you thought you were in for the first half of it and then just literally have no chance. How do you get outscored by 45 points and a half? They're not playing 12 minute quarters. Like how, how I don't understand how that even could happen, but that was mystifying. And it was because it was close in the first half. It's like a different kind of blowout than, than Harrison Barnes blowout, but because he lost by 50, it makes it worse, right? Absolutely. I mean, it was almost like if, if the live stream uh, video recorder wasn't on DeMarcus Cousins the whole time, it, it's almost like one of those moments, you know, when you're a kid and, you know, DeMarcus Cousins is playing his friend online in the basement, uh, you know, it's a seven point game and all of a sudden he forgot to like, you know, put his laundry away and, you know, his mom's in the top of the stairs, DeMarcus, DeMarcus, and he has to run upstairs <laughs> and his, his little brother or something has to finish the second half and blows the game by 45 points. Like that's, uh, you know, 52 points. Sorry. I, you know, that's, 
that's basically what this looked like. And for DeMarcus Cousins, I mean, he's on a gaming team. Like once the quarantine, once this self-isolation quarantine stuff started, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins uh, took to Twitter to show that he's joining, I think it was NRG Gaming, um, which is mostly uh, first-person shooter games like Fortnite and Call of Duty. But, you know, if you're on a gaming team of any sorts, you can't be taking 50-point L's on national TV. Like, what do you, come on, DeMarcus. Uh, you you got to imagine that the rest of the, the gamers on his team have been blowing him up, giving him a ton of crap in the group chat because that just can't happen. Absolutely. You know, you bring your shame upon the gaming team. We use the same reason to, like, give praise to Devin Booker to say, oh, well, you know, he's playing different kinds of games, but he's gaming. So he's got the hands are warm. He's ready. He's in that gaming mode. Well, what's going on boogie like where where is where is that for you like how i i don't understand because again like he had that calm confidence like you know that that kind of no nonsense attitude when uh he was you know and obviously it was in a joking in a joking manner but just you know telling telling andre Drummond to calm down you know i fully expected him to just hang around and then make things interesting and make andre Drummond kind of regret getting excited too soon but it was the exact opposite of how i envisioned that game going and uh, learned a lot and earned a lot of respect for Andre Drummond as a gamer as well. I, I think he might be a dark horse candidate to win. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like going into that first round matchup, that was expected to be one of the better matchups because Boogie and uh, Andre Drummond are both uh, such well-known gamers. But moving on to what I thought was the highlight of the first round, the best part of the entire first round, which you probably could have assumed when you looked at the slate of games in the first place, was Patrick Beverly's trash talk. That was the talk of the tournament the first time. I When I wrote the preview, the tail of the tape for the first round matchups, I made a slight suggestion to Hassan Whiteside that you know he might have been better off playing the first round with his microphone unplugged completely, just so you know, you're taking <laughs> Patrick Beverly's trash talk out of the game. Uh, do you think that that was... you know? Do you think Patrick Beverly's blow was a product of he was just talking so much trash that it got in Hassan Whiteside's head and he wasn't playing his game or is Patrick Beverly just this good at 2K? I, I kind of have a feeling that Patrick Beverly is that nice. Like, I, I remember there was like a, a, a screenshot or like a picture that circulated on Twitter like a year or two ago and it was like some NBA players tournament of a 2K tournament similar to this and Patrick Beverly had won and he has claimed for years that he is the best 2K player in the NBA. And as we know, Patrick Beverly is a guy who, again, has a lot to say. Um, we see it, him do it, you know, for 48 minutes during a game, 82 nights a year. And one thing that he kind of said while he was playing and he was in his in his mode during the game with Hassan Whiteside was when he was playing overseas, he had nothing to do but play 2K. So he spent, you know, however many years he was, he was before he came and eventually made his NBA debut just playing 2K all the time. And, and apparently, you know, those things kind of stick with you and year year over year, he's just become better and better. And uh, his trash talk and energy and everything that he brought, one, gives you an idea of what players have to deal with in real games. Because I'm sure it's like 10 times as worse doing an actual game. But two, it was by far the biggest highlight of, of the first round of the tournament. Right. I mean, like you said, I think part of what makes this tournament so great is, you know, it's anything that can bring you a little bit closer to the players. And I think the NBA does this uh, better than just about any other professional sports league. Uh, you, you almost feel like you know these guys, even though you don't know them. And this really did give you a, more of an idea of what it's probably like a, a very uh, PG, thir- not even PG-13, <laughs> just G-rated censored version of, you know, how much trash Patrick Beverly really talks 
on the court in a real game. I mean, he from the second the ball tipped off, he was letting Hassan Whiteside hear it. He got up by 10 in the first quarter, and he was already standing up screaming about how he's locked in, how it's going to be a long <laughs> night, all this stuff. I, I started losing it. At one point, he wasn't, even, he wasn't even yelling at Hassan Whiteside. He was talking trash to a virtual LeBron James that Hassan Whiteside was playing with. I mean, like... Anybody that was in the cross range was getting a little bit of trash talk from Patrick Beverly. And he's going to be, you're going to want to mark your calendar. If you're intrigued by the NBA, you're intrigued by this 2K tournament, you're going to walk, want to mark your calendar anytime Patrick Beverly's playing because I have a feeling it's going to be must watch, you know, must see TV every single time. He was cracking me up the entire time. The, I wouldn't be surprised if as this tournament proceeds, that he just starts playing these games. He doesn't even need a chair. He just starts playing these games, standing straight up, dripping sweat, screaming into the microphone, all that. Uh, it's been it's been pretty hilarious through the first round. But that brings us to the uh, the Vegas odds of the second round of the tournament uh, and on the subject of Patrick Beverly. Uh, it doesn't appear, and, and these odds are all based on Odd Shark uh, in Vegas, and it doesn't necessarily appear like they expected Patrick Beverly to originally be this good at 2K, but he is now shot up to the top of the leaderboard, uh, the heavy favorite, or I shouldn't say heavy favorite, it's him and Devin Booker, uh, you know, eye for an eye there, but Patrick Beverly is the favorite to win this tournament now. So again, I asked the question, I mean, do you think that, you know, is he, is he all of a sudden the front runner for this tournament because of what we saw in the first round? Or do you think that, you know, Devin Booker probably still, it's his crown to lose? I think I think I mean obviously as as obviously as evidenced by the odds he he somehow uh, or to some people has has really proven himself uh, as being a favorite. And I think what it kind of comes from we talk back to, about who we beat and who he handily beat in the first round. Hassan Whiteside. This is the guy who gave two K a shout out in real life trying to get his own 2k rating up you know he's always posting on his socials that he's you know whether it's he's in the neighborhood or in you know playing 2k online or whatever the case may be so Hassan Whiteside is a guy who we've known as being a guy who takes his 2k game very seriously and like we said Patrick Beverly light work you know 30 pieced him easily you know he was he was up comfortably early on in the game and didn't look back so I think that you know just the takeaway from that especially the opening odds we nobody really had an idea of of who could play and who couldn't. You know, the guys were seated based on their their game, their their rating on the game. Um, and I think that now that people kind of have an idea of you know who you know who these guys are as gamers, a, a win like Patrick Beverly's wasn't really a fluke. Um, so I think that that that's probably what's reflected in him being the favorite right now. Um, I, I would say it's either him, you know, obviously Booker is another favorite, but I, I would, I feel like maybe it's a dark horse candidate. Like I, I think Derek Jones might be like a dark horse candidate. One thing he said that, uh, that I noticed when he was playing KD, KD was asking that how often he'd been playing 2K. He's like all day, every day, pretty much. So that's, that's the way he's spending his time when he's not, you know, shooting on the, on the roof, on the, the, the goal that he revealed he had on the roof of his, where he lives in Miami. He's probably working on his 2K game. So I think Derek Jones is, is a, is a dark horse candidate. Well, not really. He's, he has the third best odds now but um either, i think derrick jones or patrick beverly what about you i do i do like the derrick jones jr pick as a dark horse candidate even though you did say that you know he's third best which is another hilarious i mean he was tied for last for odds uh before the first round started and then he kind of became the silent assassin in that first round that kind of you know without saying much stated his presence like he did make that comment to kd he was like he was like oh you play the park you play this and he's like oh i'm here every day like it, it really makes you think that Derek Jones Jr. probably has been slept on since the start of this tournament. And Vegas is starting to pick up on that. Um, I do, I do think that Devin Booker is probably he probably should still be the favorite. I think Patrick Beverly made enough noise that that probably shot him up as you know a favorite pick because he was one, he did have uh, one of the highest odds 
uh, or one of the worst odds, I should say, to win the tournament before things tipped off. So I think that he probably uh, brought in a lot of money over the weekend for all these, you know, all these sports betting fans that are just hungry to gamble on anything because there's no live sports at the moment. But one thing that stuck out to me is that Andre Drummond picked up a 52-point win, and he's still tied for last for uh, odds to win the entire tournament. So, I mean, you know, maybe part of that is his his next round matchup where he's matched up against Patrick Beverly, and that's why he uh, why his odds are so high. But if you're looking for a value pick, it seems like Andre Drummond would be a pretty good pick at 14, 1400 because. I mean, he just won by 52 points. If he gets past Patrick Beverly, he's probably going to shoot up to one of the highest odds to win the tournament. Uh, so I like Andre Drummond as, as my sleeper pick to win this thing. But, um, but yeah, so that, that brings us into the second round preview where we just said that Andre Drummond is taking on Patrick Beverly. Uh, some of the other matchups that we're looking at, Trey Young faces off against DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. has Montrez Harrell and Devin Booker takes on Rui Hachimura. Uh, which matchup are you looking to looking forward to the most in the second round? Anything involving Patrick Beverly, sign me up. Anything involving Patrick Beverly is going to be fun. Andre Drummond is it's just kind of a, a funny um, balance too because Andre Drummond's kind of had like I said like the 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 real happy go lucky like excited energy where Patrick Beverly's like got all the intensity and they're both kind of talking in their own kind of in their own special ways um and, and kind of on top of what we we're talking about with Patrick Beverly and his choice of team was the Bucks in the first round he had plenty of quotables you know um including time to get freaky greek which he said uh <laughs> a number of times he called himself the cheat code that was controlling Giannis um and also the, the dubs he was smelling and he wasn't talking about the win he was talking about a 20 point win so looking forward to seeing who he chooses and the trash talk that comes with it based off of whatever team that he chooses moving forward and honestly knowing Patrick Beverly he wouldn't surprise me as being a guy who eventually chooses the Lakers and then just kind of comes does a 180 on what he initially said about LeBron when he plays with LeBron and also the type of stuff he would say about himself if he plays with the Clippers would be uh, worth watching as well. So I'm pretty excited to see what he has uh, in store for us in the second round. I pray that we get to see Patrick Beverly play as virtual Patrick Beverly. I think that that would be that would take away the whole tournament. That would be incredible. I, I just feel like he would be up up out of his chair screaming, "Let's go, Pat! Let's go, Pat!" Locking up, you know, whoever the whether it's LeBron or whoever it may be that he's playing against when he finally does get to pick the Clippers. But uh, to, to go elsewhere, I'm going to go with the Devin Booker-Rui Hachimura matchup just because, like I said, uh, Rui's kind of a dark horse in a sense where a lot of people picked Donovan Mitchell as a favorite to win this tournament, and he ended up uh, proving his worth and advancing to the next round. And now you have Devin Booker who's out here claiming you know he's going to get a minimum of 10-piece on every single player that he plays against. I think Rui could be a good dark horse in that, in that second-round matchup. And uh, you know I think that that's, that's a matchup that you might want to look out for for an upset. Uh, but I mean, other than that, I think Derek Jones Jr. and Montrez Harrell should be good just because of the fact that, again, I'm not really sure what their relationship is like. So that could that could uh, get some good back and forth banter. And then uh, rounding out with Trey Young and DeAndre Ayton, uh, those are two members of the same draft class. So they're pretty familiar with each other. And I think that should make for a playful environment um, on the on the live stream there. Uh, but to, to wrap things up here, we're just going to kind of give you a little bit of an idea of our, you know, some of our favorite 2K moments, favorite 2K players. So I'm going to swing it over to you, Gil. Who is, uh, who is your favorite player to play with in NBA 2K20 right now? And second part of the question, uh, who would you say is the most dominant video game player that you've ever played with? Well, I guess I, I would say it's a two-part answer, uh, just like everybody else. And we've talked about it, hit on it a number of times. like. 
it's it's almost unfair to play with Giannis. Like he does things that, and I think it's a reflection of what he does in real life. You know, he does things that you don't really think are conceivable. And watching him play one game, you're able to do it with him. You're, you, he gets you out of some sticky situations. He can kind of make up for a lot of uh, you, you, your shortcomings as a player on the video game, whether it's you're stepping across the lane and dunking on three people or, or making something out of nothing and spacing out the shooters. Um, Giannis is, is incredibly fun to play with um, and, and alongside somebody who's a similar version of that which is the second part of the answer as well LeBron if you are familiar enough to, to be able to play with him uh, in 2K20 you can you can be able to do some some similar things with him I think the most recent win I got online and a little drought right now but most recent win I had online was with the Lakers and uh, took over with LeBron and Anthony Davis late so LeBron is, is a really fun player to play with which is very very remarkable considering that He's definitely the most dominant player I've ever played with. It was NBA Live 07. I don't know if anybody can take a, take a trip in the Wayback Machine. I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember the freestyle superstars they had on NBA Live? Yeah, yeah, of course. So, so the freestyle superstars. If you are unfamiliar with that, if you're if you're if you're young and listening, um, they it, it's kind of like kind of like the takeover we have on NBA 2K20 now, where these guys are are a certain um, superstar archetypes, pretty much. And there were eight possible ones, six offensive, two defensive. LeBron was six of the eight. So inside score, outside score, power finisher, high flyer, playmaker, and outside stopper. And the way they had it set up on the game was you click the right analog stick and you can toggle through whatever you want. So you're driving down the court with LeBron and you decide you want to dunk on everybody. You can just click the right stick and just dunk on everybody. If you want to hit a fadeaway, click it, shoot a fadeaway over anybody. There's literally nothing that the def- the defense could do to stop what he did on those games, which is just crazy to think that that game came out in 2006. And here we are 14 years later. LeBron is still an unstoppable video game character if you know what you're doing with him. Yeah, I, I actually remember when they came out with those freestyle things, and I think it was NBA Live 06, the one with Dwayne Wade on the cover. Right. I feel yeah. like, so I, Steve Nash was one of my favorite players growing up, and I that it seemed like that freestyle stick thing was like the first thing that really made Steve Nash like more like he is in real life. You felt like you were playing with an MVP Steve Nash once they got that in the game, because like you're saying, you're on the fast break. If you decide you want to pull up for three with you know a sharpshooting Steve Nash, he has that badge. Uh, you know, playmaking, he has that badge. He had like the finishing bat, like all this stuff. Uh, this is before it, sorry, not badges, it, you know, the, the playmaking cycle or whatever it was called back in the day. But uh, I, I just remember that that, made, that was the first NBA Live where I feel like Steve Nash was really replicated uh, like the MVP that he was in real life. Uh, but back to NBA 2K20, I, uh, I'm going to actually have to side with Trey Young on this one. He, some, uh, his first round opponent asked him, uh, who he felt Harrison Barnes asked him who he felt was his favorite player to play with in NBA 2K20. And he said Damian Lillard. Uh, for years, I feel like I've been calling him Video Game Dame. I don't even know if that's like a real nickname that other people call him, but Damian Lillard is like the easiest video game player to play with right now. I mean, he can shoot from deep. He can, you know, kind of glitch out and dunk on everybody because he he does kind of have that athleticism in real life. He locks up on defense. I have a lot of fun putting up putting up buckets with with Damian Lillard on NBA 2K20. And I've had a lot of uh, recent losses going against people who choose the Portland Trailblazers because Dame is really, really, really hard to stop on defense. So I, 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 get, I get where you're coming from with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like in real life, once he gets going, it seems like he doesn't miss. And he, you know, he doesn't have a funky shot like Devin Booker, like we were talking about. It's nice and smooth. He's easy to score with. I'm going to go with Damian Lillard for my favorite player to play with in NBA 2K20. Uh, as for most dominant video game player of all time, I'm going to go with Derrick Rose in NBA 2K12, the year after that he 
won his MVP, making him the youngest MVP in league history. Uh, I mean, at this point, the the kind of engine of the game wasn't as smooth as it is now, wasn't as realistic as it is now with defense with, you know, how you can really feel the body contact when you're trying to drive by someone, so on and so forth. It kind of felt like almost like a 2004, like Madden 04, Mike Vick-esque, where you could kind of just, <laughs> you know, drop out of the pocket and just kind of scroll around and, uh, you know, just run circles around the defense if you're holding turbo. Like, that's kind of what it felt like playing with Derrick Rose in NBA 2K12, where, you know, you just get a rebound, you immediately outlet to Derrick Rose, you hold, tr- you heard tur- hold turbo and just tap X and he dunks it every single time. I mean, the amount of times that I scored 40 points, 50 points, even 60 points with Derrick Rose, where I felt like I was going to, you know, make my friends smash my controller against the wall <laughs> in my basement. It just seemed like, it seemed like Derrick Rose was, you know, the most dominant video game player of all time. But that'll do it for us today on our coverage of the NBA 2K Players Tournament, which will continue later on this week. Uh, If you're looking for more information on the 2K Players Tournament, uh, you can find it on NBA.com, where we have you covered with previews and takeaways and all things of that sort all throughout the tournament. Uh, For Kyle Irving and Gilbert McGregor, catch you next time.